Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. I'm Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida, where our aim is to point people up to God, teach them to follow Jesus, and equip them to make a difference. Thanks for connecting with us, and we pray that you are blessed by this message. (laughs) I've got a good word for today. Hey, a good doctor is not a doctor that gives you shortcuts and fills you up with medication. A good doctor is a doctor that teaches you how to be healthy. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. So a good pastor is not a, not a pastor who just teaches and preaches something that's easy to hear and that wants you to tickle your ear and make you think that everything is love and rainbows and unicorns. A good pastor is a pastor who teaches the word of God and helps you be healthy in your spiritual life. Can I get an amen? So with that being said, I have a message today entitled First Things First. The, mes- the title of the message is? First things first. All right, tell me what's first. Numbers, three, two, five, four, one. Which one's first? One. one. Why is one first? Because one is first. All right, which one is first? The letter B, D, A, C, or E? A. a. Why is A first? Because A is first. Come on, tell the person it's because it's first. Because it's first. Hey, hey, first things first. All right, let me see if there's wisdom in the house of the Lord today. Los Angeles Lakers, New York Knicks, Golden State Warriors, Miami Heat. Which one's first? This is a wise church. We all know that the favor of the Lord is on the MIA. Some things are pretty obvious to us, like one is first and A is first. Some things are very clear from God, but not as obvious to us. And so there's something powerful in first, and I want to encourage you. Here's the first point today. I want to encourage you with all my heart. Put God first in everything in 2023. Do you know that the, the Greek word for everything means everything? That's deep. And in Hebrew, the Greek word for everything, it means everything. And in English, the word everything, it means todo. Everything. Put God first in everything. First things first. We're going to talk about the principle of first today. And by the way, order matters. Because if you try to put on your jeans before your underwear, you're going to have an issue. Why? Because order matters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can, but that will be weird. We're going to be in God's word today. So for all my Bible-carrying Christians, disciples, We're going to be mainly in Exodus 13. If you want to get a head start, put a marker in Exodus 13. We will start in Matthew 6 with a quick verse, but we love God's word. Lord, we open up your word today and we ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us, Lord. Our hearts are open, receptive, and attentive to receive all that you have for us. May the seeds of truth from your word fall in fertile soil in each and every one of our lives. And may those seeds give fruit. May they grow. May they flourish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me make a a bold statement right at the top here. Check this out. If God is first in your life, then everything can come into order. If he is not first in your life, then nothing can come into order. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have difficulties or problems or struggles in life. Jesus himself said in John 16, in this world, You will have trouble. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Can I get an amen? What I am saying is that everything in your life can come into order and you can walk through whatever situation you go through 
Not because you're in charge, but because God is in charge and in control of your life when you put him first. First things first. God must be first. Let me talk about a few areas real quick. Put God first in your mind and in your heart. Put God first in your mind and in your heart. Matthew 6.33, a lot of us have heard or read this verse, maybe even memorized it. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek what? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear. Seek first. What do we seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. All what things? Everything. All everything. Put God first in your mind and in your heart, in your personal walk with him, in your relationships. What would it look like if God was first in my marriage, if he's not currently? What would it look like if God was first in my relationship with my kids? What would it look like if God was first in my connection with my colleagues, with my classmates, with my brothers and sisters in Christ from church? Like, what would that look like if God was first in your work, in your attitude, in your goals, in your passions, like in your mind and in your heart? You know what gets in in your mind and your heart, what you consume. So I got to go back and think about it. Am I putting God first with the music or am I hearing... Like, is that because what goes in the heart is what comes out? I mean, I mean, right? Health in, health out. Garbage in, garbage out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A life is lived. So we've got to put God first in our mind and our heart. Another one is put God first in your schedule. I want to sound a little more mature. mature. Put God first in your schedule. What's in a schedule? Well, a day, a week, a month, a year, your calendar, right? Every... Even on Sunday, when we come and we meet here on Sunday, we're meeting on the first day of the week. We are beginning the week on the first day with God because when you begin your week first with God, the rest of the week can be opened up to a blessing. It's principle of first. We give God the first, he can bless the rest. When we don't give God the first, we give him the last, there's nothing to bless. So the principle of first is so important. When you begin your day with God in the morning, when you begin your day, even if it's a few moments with the Lord in prayer, in devotions, in worship, when you do that, you're opening up the door so that the rest of your day can be blessed. When you honor God with your tithe, which is the first 10%, the big, first, it, get, it opens the door for God's blessing to be on the rest, as opposed to it not being there. So, so 21 days of prayer and fasting, talking about putting God first in your, in your schedule or in your calendar, we do this intentionally at the beginning of every year in January, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, why pray? Here's the point. Prayer connects us with God. Here's the biggest problem most of, have, most of us have spiritually, is we're too disconnected from God and we're too connected to the world in so many ways. That's why prayer and fasting are the, are the remediation. It's the answer. It's the prescription. Because prayer connects us to God. By the way, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And have you realized a lot of times when, when we go through problems or people go through problems, oh, got to call this person, find this problem, call the dog, call this person, call this person. And then finally, like when they're all options have been exhausted, pastor, can you pray for us? Be like, yeah, I could pray for you, but you could pray for you. And you could do it first as opposed to last. Now, we're too, discon we're too disconnected from God, so prayer helps us connect us to God. And sometimes we're too connected to the world, and fasting helps to disconnect us from the world. The, the purpose of, of spiritual fasting, is, by, by the way, spiritual fasting is when we abstain from food and sometimes other things for a determined amount of time with the purpose of increasing our hunger for the things of God. 
And so a lot of us are going to be accompanying these 21 days of prayer with fasting. There's a lot of different ways to fast. And I'm not going to go into that in this message. Uh, Pastor Kiko brought a great word last week. Did anybody hear that word on fasting and, and prayer and why this is important? Uh, by the way, on our website, there's a lot of resources of the different types of fasts that you can do. There's partial fast. There's selective fast. There's complete fast. There's all kinds of fasts that you can do. But we really encourage you to try to turn up the volume to God by doing what? Connecting with God in prayer and disconnecting from God through spiritual fasting. All right, so, so here it is. Disconnecting from the world, I'm sorry. Put God first in your finances. And, and obviously, one of the ways we do that is we, we put him first. The Bible talks about the tithe. You know, one, one, of the, one of the basic, simple ways of understanding financial principles God's way is give, save, live on the rest. Right? And if you want to get more in depth, you should do a life group that we offer that's called Financial Peace University. FPU or Paz Financiera in Spanish, where we help people understand biblical, uh, biblical principles for your finances. And it's powerful, but you give first, you save, and you live on the rest. Most people don't have the, the, uh, the, 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 the training, and most people don't have the discipline to live that way because a lot of times we weren't taught that. And so it's beautiful when somebody's willing to sit down and help us learn God's principles, and it's beautiful when we can put it into action. So let's go to Exodus 13. I want to talk about this. Exodus 13. Now, what I'm going to read now in Exodus 13, it's going to sound very, like, very Old Testament. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to sound a little old school. Um, but, I, but I want to encourage you to stay with me, stay connected, because, by the way, 1 Corinthians 10 says that everything in the Old Testament was written for instruction and for example, okay? For our instruction and our example. Uh, Exodus 13. Anybody know if Exodus is Old Testament or New Testament? Mm-hmm. What number book of the Bible is it? Number two, Exodus. By the way, Exodus talks about the story of the exodus of the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They exited slavery in Egypt, so that might help you in the future to understand a little bit about Exodus. Exodus 13, it says, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moses, consecrate to me, which means, by the way, set apart to me, prepare to give to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb, check this out, among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. I want you to, I want you to help me with a strong mind. It is mine. Now, in the Hebrew original scriptures, this is very emphatic language when God is basically saying, give me the firstborn of the men and of the beast because they belong to me. Which born? The firstborn. First things first. Now, verse 12, jump to verse 12 right there in Exodus 13. Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck." In other words, what God is saying here is, in other words, if you don't do this, you're going to lose it anyway, so you might as well just break its neck. And we're going to talk in a moment a little bit about stewardship. Notice this principle. If you will not give this to the Lord, you're going to lose it anyway. Think about that. 13b, second part of 13. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Okay, so I know this sounds like, Pastor, like, wait a second, this Old Testament this is kind of weird, hard to understand. Let's talk about the principle of first and giving the first to God. So I'm going to give you today three keys 
to the principle of first. Because today's message is first things first. All right, come on, give somebody an elbow. Say first things first. Principle number one. Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Come on, help me out. The firstborn must be what? Sacrificed or redeemed. Let me give you the difference between these two and talk about it for a moment. Okay? So I know that we're talking about the law and the Old Testament. We are no longer under the law or the Old Testament. We are under grace, but there are principles behind the laws that God wants us to understand. So we study these principles that, by the way, are carried out throughout the entire Bible. It was written for our instruction. So what's the instruction? What's the example we see in this? The firstborn must be what? Sacrificed or redeemed. But how do we know which? He gives us here two classifications of animals. He talks about lamb and donkey, which represent clean animals and unclean animals, according to the law in those times. So if your animal that you had was considered a clean animal, like a lamb, then you would have to sacrifice the firstborn of the lamb. Is everybody following me? Now, if your animal was an unclean animal, like the donkey, then you had to sacrifice a clean animal to redeem the unclean animal firstborn. Is somebody with me? Okay. Now, was this just kind of God has this weird thing about killing animals and Old Testament, and he wanted to just do this? No. It's a principle. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. It's all an example for us. So I want... I want to relate this that we're talking about to Jesus, and I want you to think about this. Think about this. Just listen here. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. And if it's clean, it must be sacrificed. So let me ask you a question real quick, and you guys can all answer me. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, In our human nature, when we are born, are we born clean or unclean? Unclean, because we're all born in a fallen world with a natural sin nature. We are sinners by nature, uh, and and, and so we're clear on that. Let me prove it to you, by the way, to all the parents. Any parents in the house? Any parents? Okay, question. Did you have to teach your kids to be bad? Did you have to teach your kids to disobey? No, that that came in the package. For all of, it, all of our kids and all of us, by the way, when we were born. Because we were all born unclean. Now, another question. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. Now, remember the principle here. This is really good. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Principle of first. This is what we just read in Exodus 13. It's what it's all about. And what he said, here's what he said. If you have an unclean animal, the offspring then has to be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean one. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more today. And stewardship, specifically principle of first. And by the way, here's what the firstborn does. The firstborn redeems the rest. Check it out. Check this out. God doesn't ask for the tenthborn. He asks for which one? The firstborn, why? Because it takes faith to give the first. Notice that, he, that God doesn't say, hey, after your sheep has 10 lambs, then, you know, find whichever one. Maybe the one that's most annoying to you that's always getting in the garden or go, going away from the flock, you know, maybe the one that walks with a limp, you know. Go ahead and give me that one. Which I think is sometimes the way we give to God. 
He says, give me the first one. By the way, the first one when you don't have the other nine. Now think about the principle of tithing. The first before you pay for any other bills. It's interesting that even Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew 23, 23, says himself that we should tithe. Now, now here's an interesting thought. Think about this. Jesus was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. Let me, let me say it another way, because this is referring to, to giving the first to God. Jesus is God's tithe. Why? Because God gave Jesus, by the way, his firstborn, only begotten. God gave Jesus in hope and in faith that we would give our lives to him. In other words, God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up our lives first and then say, well, then I'll give Jesus. No. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God gives Jesus before anybody can really believe in him. He gives Jesus as the sacrifice, as his first. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed based on what? If it's clean or unclean. So think about this. If you have a sheep and your sheep has a lamb, you have to give the first one to God and you have to give the first one to God so that what? So that what? So that the rest would be redeemed. This is a principle throughout all of scripture. You know why? It takes faith to give the first. Even when we meet here on Sunday, we already said it, first day of the week, we're giving God the first, opening the door and declaring, Lord, please bless the rest. Principle of the first. So that's the first principle. Number two, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. I would capitalize must because it's important for us to walk under the blessing of God. The first fruits must be offered. In a moment, we're going to go back to Exodus 13. So if you're not so fast in the Bible, just look up on the screens. And if you are, you can go to it. Proverbs 3. I want to read a verse here. Okay? And, um, <clears throat> and then we're going to read Exodus 23. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And here it is. And with the first fruits of all your increase. With the what? First fruits of your increase. We could also say first fruits of your income. First fruits of what comes in. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It sounds contradictory to give so that this will be full. Exodus 23:19. Exodus 20, 23:19. The first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring. You shall what? Bring into the house of the Lord your God. Pause. God will never be second. God is always first. Key word here, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring. Something interesting you'll notice. Whenever the Bible mentions first fruits or tithe, it will never use the word give. It will always use the word bring or return. Do you want to know why it doesn't use the word give? Because you cannot give what does not belong to you. This is, this is a hard point for some of us who, this has been a hard area for us and maybe our stubbornness and spirituality. But it, in the Bible, you will never find give 
with tithe or with first fruits. You will always find bring or return. In fact, something I learned that brought a lot of conviction at one point in my life is that there's only two things you can do with a tithe. What's the tithe, by the way? What's the tithe? It's not just 10%. It's the first 10%. And there's only two things you can do with it. You can bring it or return it to God, or you can steal it. That's the only two options. That's harsh language, but I don't say it. Malachi 3. Okay? So when I give God the first 10%, I'm returning and bringing to him what's already his. By the way, it's all his. But he blesses me with 90%. We're going to talk about why. Um, when I don't, according to Malachi 3, I'm stealing the tithe. I'm robbing. And by the way, what am I stealing? What am I robbing? I'm robbing my own blessing. <laughs> because everything, God's. Okay. So we need to understand God will always be first. Whether I put him first or not, he will always be first. <laughs> And when you think about God's attributes and his preeminence and that he is above all and before all and he is first and higher than all, God is always first, principle first. You know, many people often wonder, you remember Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve's boys uh, in, in, in Genesis? A lot of people often wonder, why did God accept Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering? By the way, they both gave offering. A lot of people give offering, but it says in Cain and Abel's story that God accepted Abel's, he didn't accept Cain's, but you can't understand why unless you understand principle of firstborn and firstfruits. It's the only way you can understand why. Now remember, the firstborn you give to God and the firstfruits you give to God. So let me read to you Genesis 4. <laughs> By the way, Genesis is easy. It's right at the beginning, right? I thought that was like Sega Genesis, like a video game. It's the first book in the Bible. Genesis verse four, chapter four, verse three. I want, I want to see if you guys see it. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Pause. What did, what did Cain bring? An offering of the fruit of the ground. By the way, Cain worked with the land. So he, he, was, he was more of a land, like, like farming in the sense of garden and, 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 and producing fruit, right? So it says that he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. It doesn't say he brought the first offering. It doesn't say he brought the first fruits. It said he brought an offering. Look at, look at verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, which, which is another way of saying the best. And the Lord respected and received Abel and his offering but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. Question, did Cain bring an offering? Yes. Did God receive it? No. Why not? Why did he receive Abel's and not Cain's? Because Cain brought an offering. Can I, can I, can I be real? Can I just be real? Permission to be real? Cain brought what he wanted to give. Abel brought what God called him to bring. Why did I have to come to church today? I should have still been in New York. I want to be a good pastor. And I want every blessing for your life. First things first, put God first. God can't accept an offering that's not first because of his preeminence. There's very, there's very few things that God can't do. And one thing God can't do is he can't be second. 
Another thing is he can't lie. <laughs> Very few things God can't do. He can't change because that would imply that he can get better and he is best. One thing he can't be, he can't be second. So this is why he didn't accept Cain's offering. In other words, it wasn't acceptable to him. Neither Cain nor the offering. So there's something here that's important for us to get. When you capture this in your life, in your spiritual life, it opens the door and unleashes some incredible things. And, and you can tell me all, you can tell me till you're blue in the face, God is first in my life. Let me see your schedule and let me see your account. And I'll tell you if God is first. Third and final principle here, or key to the principle first, the tithe must be first. Sounds a little redundant, Pastor. Yes, it's intentional. The tithe must be first. Why? Because order matters. Because, by the way, why? Because it belongs to him. We're not giving it, we're returning it to him. We're bringing it to him. Look at Leviticus 27. That's the third book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Chapter 27, verse 30. Listen to this. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. How much of the tithe? All the tithe is whose? Is the Lord's. It is holy, which means set apart. I can't touch that. It's his. By the way, we are understanding firstborn, first fruits. Why? Because it's the first. It's the same language when God talks about first fruits, when he talks about firstborns, and when he talks about the tithe. It's always the same language. And the key word that's always connected to it is first. Why? Because it belongs to God. It's his. Now the firstborn is the Lord's. Now he says the tithe is the Lord's. It's the same exact language. A lot of people will use the argument, um, oh, well, you know, the tithe, that's kind of Old Testament. That's, that's the Old Covenant. That's, we're, in, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, which is true. We are not under the law because when Jesus came, he changed everything, and we are now under grace. But here's the thing about Jesus in the grace, in the covenant of grace, which we're in now. He didn't put the bar down lower. He always raised the bar up. So when you look at things like, like, like in the law, in the Old Testament, where if you committed adultery, right? That's one of the commandments. If you committed adultery, you're, you're sinning against God. That's, that's a commandment, right? In the New Testament, Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery in your heart. So did Jesus put the bar down, make it easier? Jesus raised the bar up. And we see it over and over. So if anything that Jesus does in the New Testament is just raising the bar. So grace always raises the bar. Even though we're not under the law, we're under grace because of Jesus. So in fact, you're right. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to give 10%. That was the law. We should give more now because we're in grace. Anyway, that's just a way. I don't have time to go in, delve into that, but it's a little bit of a way to talk about why we believe this. I want to give you a real, kind of a real-life example just to understand how this can look in a real-life example. Let's say that you have a remodeling company. And, and at my house, we're doing a simple project. It's not a big project. We need to do a little remodeling project. And I'm asking you to give me a quote. 
and, and, and I want to agree for you to do this job for me. And let's just, just to use simple round numbers, let's just say, let's just say that there's costs for the materials, which I have to cover because I'm the one paying. There's costs for your employees, for their labor time and all that. And let's just say once, the, once all the expenses, the materials, the, the labor and all that's taken care of, let's say that the, the, the rest is, it's $1,000, that that's, that's going to be your profit $1,000, so that's all covered. Now I owe you $1,000 for, you know, you know, for, for, for your work, for your, for your business, right? And so, and so when I do that, I, I, I pay you, and I give you 10 $100 bills. 10 $100 bills, which is the $1,000 that I owe you. So you have, you have your $1,000, you have the 10 $100 bills. So let me ask you two questions. I know some of you don't like math, but just follow me. It's easy math. If you have $1,000 that has just come in, income has come in, increase, right? What is the tithe of $1,000? $100. It's 10%. Okay? That 10% is $100. Okay? So here's the next question. Which one of the 10 bills is the tithe? The first, well, you guys are listening. We're talking about first things first. So which one is the, is the officially tithe? The first one to leave your hand. There's power in this, the first one that leaves your hand, okay? Why? Because God's part is what? Is first. In other words, if you go home and say, well, you know what? Let me go ahead and pay the mortgage. Let me pay my light bill. Let me pay for groceries and pay for all these things. Oh, wait. oh I don't have enough for God, but that's all he understands. That's human reasoning. He would want me to, to do that. We... we, we we self-deceive ourselves into thinking that we know. It's very clear. God's never wavered on, on lack of clarity on this. And, and so here, here's the why. Here's the why. <laughs> First of all, I don't want to be Cain. I want to be Abel. Because I want God to receive me and my offering. Second of all, I encourage you, don't give your first 10% to the mortgage company. Why? Because the mortgage company doesn't have the power and authority to bless the rest of your finances. Is somebody following me here? I'm not saying don't pay your mortgage. I'm saying put God first. Pastor, but I just don't have enough. That means your life is out of order. Your budget, you have no budget, or your budget's not in order, or God has not been first. Because if God is first, God, why is he the first one that gets cut out? And not internet. Or my waxing. <laughs> not saying that I wax, but just. <laughs> Secret life of a pastor. <laughs> the power in the tithe is the order. Is it's first. Because when I give God first, he can bless the rest. You know something that happened to my wife and I? We've always, ever since we got married, we've always given God 10%. But the first years of our life, because we weren't trained and we didn't learn this this way, the first years of our marriage, we gave 10% to the Lord through the church, but we didn't give a tithe because we didn't give it first. We would just make all the payments and all that. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll give to the Lord. So we were giving 10%, but a lot of times it was kind of like towards the end of the list. And what the Lord showed me is, Verge, there's nothing left to bless. And the Holy Spirit brought conviction to us and saying, wait, wait, wait. If I'm putting God first, that means I'm putting God first. Does that make sense? Now listen, listen. To some of you, I'm going to get some emails or I'm going to get some conversations later. Don't be legalistic about it. 
like, it's not about being legalistic in the sense of, like, if I'm, if I'm like, sitting down and writing my check, right, for, for, because I still do that. By the way, young people, a check is this rectangular thing that you write (laughs) so that credit card companies don't get a percentage, right? Um, So, so when I'm doing my check for my tithe, if I find out, just then went to Publix and she bought some groceries, (gasps) her tithe is cursed. No, because it's a principle in our heart. Are you with me? So we don't get legalistic about it. That's not, we don't have a legalistic God. But we have a principle, and we know this is first. And, I'm gonna, and, and you know what? It's a beautiful thing to actually say this is going to be first. As soon as it comes in, as soon as it comes in, boom. As soon as there is increase, as soon as there is income, as soon as they, the first 10% is whose? It's God. And I don't give it because I can't give what's not, my, what's not mine. I bring or return it to him. Now, here's the question. Would you rather live with 100% of your income and all of it cursed or 90% of your income and all of it blessed? This is what the Bible says. It's consecrated. If I give the first 10% or blessed, and if I keep it, it's cursed. Why? Because the spirit of mammon is on. That's a whole other teaching. The spirit of mammon. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. Other versions, God and money. And the way that I cast off the spirit of mammon off of my finances is when I tithe. So if I give, I'm blessed. If I don't, it's not blessed, maybe even cursed. It really isn't hard. Like, it's not complicated. Like, it's hard to do, but it's not complicated. And so here's what I like to say to you. I'd like for you to take the 310 tithe challenge if you're not a tither. Some of you, some of you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, amen, amen, amen. Like, God has transformed this in my life. This is called the 310 tithe challenge. And it's always in the back seats throughout the entire year. I bring it up a couple times throughout the year. The 310 tithe challenge, if you're curious, some of you are like, I don't want to touch it. But if you're curious... It has, it's called 310 Tithe Challenge because Malachi 310, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, Malachi 310. So, so here's what it says. Here's what, the, here's what this challenge says. Dear pastor, I or we are new tithers and have decided to honor God with the first 10% of our income, incomes. I or we want to take the Malachi 310 challenge and will begin to tithe regularly for three months from the date of this pledge. I, we, understand that we may ask for a full refund of the tithes received by the church and appropriately credited via check, offering envelope, or electronic giving during the 310 challenge, period, if we do not believe that we have been blessed. I, we, understand that a request for refund must be made within 30 days following the end of the challenge period and your information. So basically what we're offering at Vertical Church, because, because we want you to open the door for blessing in your life, we're giving you a money-back guarantee for three months, 90 days, but for real. Like commit to tithing for real, like the first 10% to the Lord, 90 days. And then after those 90 days, if you're, like, if you're like, God didn't do nothing, things are worse in my life, like then you have 30 days to request. Obviously, make sure you put your name so we know you gave, right? Um to request your money back. And we will give it, no questions asked, we'll give it back to you. That's how much we believe in God's promise and in God's word. And throughout the last couple of years that we've had this tithe challenge available, I think it, I don't know if it's between 130, 150 people that have, that weren't tithing that said, I want to do it. Other people didn't fill it out and started doing it, but that have officially done it. You want to know how many requests we got for money back? You guys want to know? 
Not one. Not one. Do you want to know how many testimonies we've received? And how many people, check this out, people from church come into the pastor saying, Pastor, thank you for teaching me to tithe. Thank you for teaching me to give away 10% of my money to God. That's, that's like so countercultural because it's God's principles. Countless people, thank you, Pastor, for teaching. There's this one guy, all he talks about, whenever we talk, all he talks about, thank you for, thank you for teaching me to tithe. Thank you, thank you. He has a personal desire to tithe $100,000 in one year. And, and this is a person who, when I first preached it and he heard it, somehow got my number and texted me saying, you're expecting me to do this and that. We talk about it and we laugh. He was really resistant and really mad at me for teaching about tithing. And then he did it and he sent me a picture with a thing filled out. And today, every time we meet, he never stops talking to me about it because somehow it transformed the trajectory of his stewardship. By the way, in Malachi, it says to bring the tithe to the storehouse. That's specifically referring to the temple. It's specifically referring to your spiritual home. Your tithe doesn't go to the foundation or to the cancer society. Those are great things to send offering, but the tithe doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the Lord. The tithe is not, oh, I send 3% to my family in another country because they need it. That's great. Do that, but don't give what's God's to them. Does that make sense? I dare you. I dare you. I want to finish off Exodus 13. Let's look at verse, we left off at 13. Let's look at verse 14. Anybody excited about it today? Woo! Yeah! Yeah. I want to give more. I promise you, when you start learning to live with open hands and give, it's exciting. I, I promise you. When we got our statement this year of what we, holy moly. And I'm excited about this year. Like I'm already thinking extravagant. What extravagant gift can we give the Lord? Exodus 13, 14. Check it out. So it shall be. So it shall be. When your son asks you in, in time to come saying, dad, mom, what is this? The whole thing, remember we're talking about the firstborn redeemed and sacrificed. The first, then you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. <laughs> There's so much symbolism here. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so here's what, what he's saying. Remember, this is talking about giving the firstborn, giving the, you know, to, to God. Here's what God is saying. There's going to come a day when your son is going to ask you, Dad, what are you, Mom, what are you doing? Now, I want you to think about a boy growing up in this culture and seeing that, that their lamb, their, 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 their sheep had a baby lamb. Oh, my gosh, Dad, look at the baby. And then Dad comes and is like, oh, he's so cute. Look, he's, he's trying to stand up. Look, he's standing up. Look. And then Dad comes and grabs his hind legs, picks them up, and cuts his throat. And the kid's saying, 
I wonder what the what that lamb did. I don't want to do that. And then just kind of being quiet and then growing up as a young kid, seeing it happen once and again. And uh, and then the kid and then and the kid grows up, goes to college, and goes to study finances, and then comes back and has financing and accounting skills and comes back and sees that dad and mom are doing the same thing with the family business and they said, hey, dad, I got to talk to you. I've learned some things about finances and let me just tell you, you are killing your profits every time you kill your lambs. Why are you doing this? We're ranchers. I don't know if you know, realize that, but every time one of our animals has a firstborn, you're killing it. That could be money. So God, what God said is he says, when he asks you, take your son and say to him, son, I need to tell you something I never told you before. Our family wasn't always in the ranching business. There was a time that we, not only did we not own sheep, but we didn't own anything because we were slaves. Remember back in Egypt, remember the stories? Yeah, dad. We were slaves and we had nothing. We didn't own anything. But God with a mighty hand delivered us out of slavery and bondage and that son is why we gladly give to God all the firstborn of our animals remember the plagues the ten plagues and Pharaoh would said no let my people go no let my people go and the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn but our firstborn lived but the Egyptian man and beast died and so today we remember that the clean, the pure had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean and the impure. And you know, I remember when my kids were younger and we started teaching them about giving and tithing. And I remember with each one of them in different moments, like sitting down and having the envelope of what we're going to give and like, oh, dad, like how much are we giving? And you know, because kids, their world is so small. And, and, you know, who knows what they thought. But I remember when they would see how much we give, they'd be like, that's how much our tithe is? I'm like, yeah, this is the Lord's. Why? And, 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 and it's a great opportunity to say to our kids, you know what? And what I said is, you know, I was fortunate to be a kid to know Jesus like you guys. But our par- my parents and, and my grandparents and great-grandparents... Some of them didn't know Jesus, and they were slaves to sin. But by God's grace, he came into our lives. He came into our lives. And he saved us. He redeemed us. He transformed us. And so we gladly give our first and our best to the Lord. Jesus redeemed us from slavery to sin. He was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. When you catch this principle of first, honoring God with the first portion, it will change, it will change your life and it will change your kids' lives. I am so grateful that it's not only changed my my kids know about, talk about, and practice tithing. Every birthday, every money job or a little income that comes in, the first thing they do is, this is God's. And I believe by faith it will continue to transform and impact every generation 
blessings from generation to generation in Jesus' name. I want that for you too. I want that for you too. So here's what I want you to think right now. I want you to ask in your heart the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? And I want to encourage you to put God first in every area of your life. Yes, including your finances. And please hear me clearly. I want you to hear me from pastor's heart here real quick. If you don't tithe, you're not a rebellious person. You're not this horrible person. It's not about that. In fact, the number one reason most people give for not tithing is that they say, I can't afford to tithe. And I want to tell you something in love as your pastor. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. It's been proven over and over and over. Because according to the Bible, tithing is what breaks the curse. It's what breaks the curse of the spirit of mammon. Otherwise, every time you do start to get ahead, something's going to break, something's going to mess up, and it's going to just evaporate. So, do it. Do it. Try it. Try him. Honestly, there's nothing to lose with this challenge. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for every person hearing this message right now who really want to put you first and give you the first. Lord, we understand we were born selfish, but we were born again givers. So, Lord, we want to give we want to be generous, and we want to put you first in every area of our lives, in our schedules, in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships, in our time, our treasures, and our talents. Thank you, Lord, for this desire, and I pray now that faith would come by hearing your word today, and I pray that you would impart an extra dose of faith to every hearer of your word here today. We want to put you first in everything. We want to put you first in everything. And Lord, it's going to require faith, so we ask you for that faith. We ask you for that faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vertical Church Podcast. And thank you to all of you who give generously to this ministry. You make this ministry possible. You can always give online by visiting us at verticalchurch.com. And if you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, and you can also share it on social media and tag us at vertical underscore social. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.